Why are you back at school? Went back to school, first day of the um, second semester. 20 minutes left. Senior year. Yep, senior year. The same detectives that had um, interviewed me came to my classroom window. They opened the door and they asked the teacher, could I step outside? As soon as I stepped outside, you know, they read me my rights, put me in handcuffs, walked me out. Walked me out of the school. Like, man, when I tell you that was the authentic reaction, most embarrassing what most embarrassing thing of my life like when i tell you they walked me out of school and they they charged me i was charged with rape aggravated sodomy aggravated child molestation and kidnapping so those what? are four of the seven deadly sins those are charges that you made you watch a lifetime movie and you see right. something like that yeah. that's real it's some real shit yeah. like yeah. oh my god this is a monster who is yeah. this dude like, this is but like, you know you don't think that you know what i'm saying something like that is actually going to happen to you to you to you Welcome to Wow Black, a seriously opinionated podcast, bringing you the real and raw on anything happening while black. If black culture's there, we're there. If you're pissed or empowered, then let's talk about it. Ride with us on this all black everything. Everybody, welcome back to Wild Black. We are glad to have you with us again. Yes, indeed. You got Vince with you. Art in the building. Before we get started, just wanted to let you know that today's session was recorded at DRS Studios. You can hit them at drsatl.com. We here today with, um, as usual, another dope guest. Today's story, though, I don't even know the word for it. It is one of those stories that is going to grab you, especially, and I'm talking specifically and especially to my black parents out there, black parents of young male children, I need you to really pay attention to today's episode because what we're talking about, unbeknownst to your child and maybe even unbeknownst to you, can have a significant impact on the direction that your child goes. It can have a significant impact on their future. There is, there's a ton of danger out here in this world, especially for high school students, that they don't even recognize and speaking from experience, I, I, I mentor every other Saturday to a, a group of young black men between the ages of 13 and 17 or 18. And I hear issues around what we're talking about today come up every single time we meet. And it scares the hell out of me. And I know I'm not giving you much information, but just bear with us for a second while we handle this business. <laughs> you know what Wild Black is. So I'm going to shorten it up today so we can get through it. Wild Black tells the stories of black folks in any industry or area who alter their behavior as a result of their blackness, who code switch, who have to deal with surviving the police. We tell those stories and accompany them with credible and expert information. People who have been there, who have done it, who have survived it, and we want to share that with you. The other thing we do is we tell you the stories of black folks from black folks and by black folks to inspire you, to put you back on the right path, to get you to move forward. And that's really all we do, but we need your help. I say it all the time, but I mean it. Please share this episode. If you know any families with a young black male between the ages of, I'd say, 14 and 18, they need to hear this episode. I'm literally telling all my friends and their children, I know we curse a little bit on Wild Black, but please, your children hear worse in school, I promise. Let them hear this episode. This is a reality that they need to know about. So, I might have done that in record time. I'm going to shut up. Super fast. Actually, I'm not going to shut up. I'm going to introduce the guest, <laughs> right? I ain't going to shut up just right. yet. So, today, Wild Black, we want to introduce Mr. Gennaro Wilson. He's a graduate of Morehouse College in Atlanta and holds a degree in sociology. He's also a father and a restorative justice specialist with the city of Atlanta public courts, and also a public speaker. But that's not really why he's here today. In 2004, Gennaro was 17 years old, a high school student and senior with good grades, a football and track star, homecoming king, and had been offered scholarships to some of the most prestigious colleges in the country. He was a typical teenager, enjoying the moments of his senior year of high school, doing what so many teenagers do, living life, acting first, 
thinking last, or sometimes, like most of us, not at all. But this time, Gennaro's actions led him directly down a path that would significantly and forever alter the course of his life. I'm not going to say any more about it. I'm going to turn it over to Mr. Gennaro and let him tell you a little bit about his story. Drum roll, please. Right. Gennaro, <laughs> brother, welcome to Wild Black, man. Just Yeah, welcome, bro. Tell the okay. folks a little bit about your story. All right, man. well, you know, first let me say thank you for having me. You know, thank you for um, reaching out to me. Right. And um, really, you know, extending the invite. You know, I always enjoy um, coming to share my experience. You know, I feel like not a lot of parents want to talk about sex, mm-hmm. you know. So I'm like, I'm here, you know, like I, I want to talk about sex, you know. And, and I say that from um, a standpoint of if you don't, if you're afraid to address the topic, how can you bring about awareness? Like, how can you educate your young people if you know that they're going to go into a rebellious stage for what they're going to want to do, what they want to do, they're going to want to live, they're going to argue you up and down that, you know, your life is different from theirs, you know, and they want to step out into their own, you know, but you're afraid to talk about it because you don't want to think about them actually doing it. We didn't have sexual education. It's stuff that you've seen sometimes on TV, certain shows, they'll have like sex ed classes and girls and boys in the class and they'll talk about sex, but... We didn't have that class. Like, honestly, you know, the first time that I was, um, I talked about sex in school. I was in college. I was in Morehouse. Wow. And it was a class that I cross-registered and I took it over at Clark. It was called Human Sexuality. Wow. You know, mm-hmm. we talked about everything then. But, you know, when I was in high school, we didn't know none of that stuff, man. You know, back when this happened to me, I was a high school senior. I was 17. Me and some of my friends, we were just trying to bring the new year in right, man. You know, uh, you know when the new year come, everybody had those goals where they say, oh, yeah, new year, new me, man. You know, I'm yep. going to turn up. I'm going to bring this new year in. I'm going to do this. And me and my friends, we're going to go and we're going to do X, Y, Z. So us, you know, we said, well, we're going to get a hotel room. We're going to have a party. You know, we're going you know, to smoke. We're going to drink. So we, none of the ones who talked about it, we weren't 18 yet. I was actually at my aunt's house, you know, and I was talking to my friends, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to come home. You know, when I come home, man, you know, then we can go and get the room then. I had some coupons to get, like, a, a room discount. You know, we got somebody, like, one of my neighbors to go and um, rent the room for us. Well, you know, one, one of our other friends, he was 18. Uh, he went and rent the room for us. We had my neighbor buy the alcohol for us. He was 21. Right. So we went and bought the alcohol, and we went we went into the room. So at first, it was just two of us. It was just one, me and one of my classmates. He was, you know, my friend. So we were just drinking. You know, we was drinking. You know, we were smoking. And then we heard we heard some noise next door. You know, we was like, let's go get some ice. So when we walked by, you know, we, we had a girl. And we was like, oh, some girls in there. So he was like, knock on the door. I said, no, I ain't going to knock on the door. You know, so when we went back to the room, I called over there. Because, you know, as a kid, it's like you do some of the— you can tell your homeboy, look, man, go moon this car that's, that's riding by. Right. You know what they're going to do. You just, kid shit. Your yeah. mind's just far out. So I ended up calling the room, and, you know, a girl picked up, and I was like, who is this? You know, and she was like, who is this? And then I was like, who is this? So, you know, you're going back and forth. And then finally she was like, that sounds like Gennaro. And I hung up the phone. And then oh, so shit. Like, yeah, yeah, she, she knew it was like you? Gennaro. Yeah, but I didn't know how, so... No, eventually I called back, and I and it was some people that we went to school with. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, so they yeah. had a room. So basically, you know, me telling that story is to show, like, the rooms combined, you know, by the rooms being next door to each other. Right. They combined, and maybe up to 20 to 30 people came through the rooms that night. And so we were all pretty much just drinking, like, taking shots of E&J. I'll never forget it because I won't drink it to this day. E and goddamn J. Yeah, boy, I will not it drink it to this day. Like, I'm, I'm very, very superstitious like that. Like, yeah, man. Brother, if I had your story, I wouldn't fuck with E&J either, brother. I don't drink E&J, brother, E&J man. I'm not drinking that cheap stuff. Like, because it, it be them kind of liquors that, you know, that take you up through there. So. <laughs> you wake up the next day. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we were taking shots of that. and We took Jolly Rancher shots. And we were just smoking. And basically throughout the course of the night, you know, the young lady who was there, you know, she ended up having sex with a couple of the guys. And there was another young woman who came. She was 15. You know, she performed oral sex on some of us. And, and you all was, went to school together, right? It was together, a video right? camera. Yeah, it, 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 we went to school together. Right. So it was a video camera there. And my mom, she used to work in a nightclub, you know, so I knew my mom didn't get home until about 3 o'clock. 
You know, it got about 2 o'clock at the room. I was like, hey, I need a ride home. I got to get home because I know if I can get home before her, it's like I never even went nowhere. Mm-hmm. So um, I got home before my mom. I left the room. And um, the next morning I woke up, I got a call saying that, hey, man, you know, part of that you was at, man, everybody at the police station, like, you know, one of the girls said she was taking advantage of. And I was like, what? You know, they was like, yeah, man, everybody at the police station, you know. Um, I was just like, nah, this can't be the party that I was at. They said, man, it was the party where you was at. It was at the day's end. One of the girls said she was taking advantage of. I said, man, this can't be true, man. Let me let me call you back. Let me see what's going on. You know, one of my other homeboys, he was like, you know, a real close friend for me. Uh, we played football together and everything. He called me. He said, man, look, we just leaving the police station. Police said they want to talk to you because you're on the video camera. I said, I'm on the video camera. He said, yeah, you on the video camera. I said, what am I doing? Man, I was so under the influence of alcohol and marijuana that I didn't even know that I was on camera. I was on camera. Man, you under age at this time too, right? Mm-hmm, 17. Okay. You're 17, she's 15. Right. Both go to the same school. Right. All right. Okay. So that's... Which feels very normal, right? When you when you in high school, yeah, it's like high school. we go to school together. You're fair game. All right, go ahead, bro. Yeah. So he he was just like you on a video camera, and I was just kind of like out there because I did not remember a video camera. And I say that to say, you know, when you young like that, like your body isn't meant to consume that much alcohol. You know, like it's people my age now that still can't drink. You know, and they still can't hold their liquor. So at 17, you taking shots like that, and you smoking. You know, like, you really don't know what's going on. Like, I, I had a homeboy in college. I almost died from alcohol poisoning. As a matter of fact, I had a cousin that died from alcohol poisoning. So as a teen, I definitely wasn't thinking that, you know, if I drink so much like that, you know, I'm going to not even remember. I'm going to blank out certain parts. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm like, man, what what, what video camera? I'm arguing him up and down. He's like, man, yeah, you on the tape. They... They found the video camera in my bag, and they found the tape in this girl's purse. I was like, man, you know, but none of them got locked up. What did they have you on camera doing? I was receiving oral sex. Gotcha. From the 15-year-old. I was 17. She was 15. I was receiving oral sex. Gotcha. And somebody was recording it, though, right? Yeah, the video camera was just sitting there. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. And this is like back in the day, like this isn't like newer nowadays now with people recording with their phones. Like we didn't even have iPhones. This like This straight VHS tape. Yeah, just straight VHS. The police end up like I told my mom about what happened. I was like, you know, I was shook. I was like, I didn't know what to think. Like, you know, police looking for me, they want to talk to me. Like, you know, so I told my mom what happened. They end up coming to my house and they took me to the station. They was like, he can drive to the station, ma'am. You know, we're not gonna he's not under arrest or anything. We just wanna talk to him. And so I told them everything that happened. You know, like, I was scared to tell them, like, I was smoking weed. Because I'm thinking, they're like, they going to lock me up right now. I've been smoking weed. You know, but you you, you don't know. You know how the law yeah. operates when you're young like that. But, you know, I eventually end up telling them. You know, told them everything because I did not know. Like, I, I didn't know that that was wrong. You know, oh. so I was telling them everything that happened. Like, and it wasn't yeah. like you took a lawyer that with you. No, it was, I was by myself. And, right. you know, I was when you that, say you didn't know that that was wrong, what specifically? The, the act between you and the girl? Yeah, like, right. I, you know, like, having teen sex. Right. Like, you know, when having teen sex, like, you don't think that, oh, okay, you know, I'm not supposed to be doing this. Like, right. you know. We more, go to school together. You you a grade or two grades underneath me. Exactly. We could go to prom. I mean, it's exactly. I, so I know we, at my we could, school, we it happened all it. the time. Yeah, yeah. We, could, we could have sexual relations is what you would, you would normally think, though, right? Yeah, when yeah, I grew so. up, it was, it was normal for the seniors to go after the freshmen. It was just what happened. Exactly. So you don't, like... You, like, morally, you know what I'm saying? Like, of course, you like, okay, yeah, you know, I ain't supposed to be doing this. But, you know, by being a teenager, you know, I'm going to do, you know, what I want to do. This is sex. That that's all you think about. You're going through puberty, you know, and I basically told them everything that happened. And they said, okay, well, you know, we're going we're gonna to try to help you out as best as we can. And so I end up... Knowing they didn't have your best interest. No, nah, knowing they didn't. Like, you know, I was definitely in a room, like, set up, like, straight... What is it? Interrogation room. Um, yeah, interrogation room. Like, yeah. you know, first 48 style. Like, you know, just in there, you know, and you just telling them everything. And so, you know, all I can remember saying is, like, you know, hey, I got a mother and I got a uh, I got a sister. I never hurt nobody. You know, I never do nothing like that. You know, and they were just like, yeah, well, we believe you. We believe you. Don't worry about it. You know, we're, we're going to help you. So I end up going to school. 
you know, I had early release, you know, so I was going to get ready to get out of school. I had just seen re the resource offices. I probably had 20 minutes left. All right, so uh, first questioning, everything was fine. You yeah, left there. Everything was fine. Go, I went left back to life. Let me go. And went then, back. Those what? are four of the seven deadly sins. Can, can you repeat those one one time for the listeners again? I was charged with rape, aggravated sodomy, aggravated child molestation, and kidnapping. And, and so listeners, those are four of the seven deadly sins. I want to be, this is going to be a different episode. I want to be very, very specific with you. Like, Sorry. pay attention mm -hmm. to that. This this brother was 17 years old in school where you interact with men and women in and around your age on a daily basis. You've got close, personal, and scholastic relationships with these people. He was a, an athlete. These are some of the same women in the cheerleader outfits cheering him on, high-fiving him in the hallways. This is your pool to select from as you're learning how to grow into a man or to a woman. As you begin to learn to date and interact in these social skills, these are the people. He didn't go out and just find a random 15-year-old girl who was young. He found someone who I'm going to assume he didn't even look at her as she was 15. He probably looked at her as, this is a classmate. Right. And, and I definitely did, you know, because you wouldn't think that, you know, uh, you can't, you know, have interactions with somebody if you're in the same school. You right. know, like, obviously, you know, if you're in high school, you can't talk to nobody in elementary school. Right. If you in, you know, middle school, you're really not supposed to be dating somebody that's in high school. Right. It was just weird, man. You know, it, it was just like, you know, to walk out of that school like that, like, you know, it was, it's completely embarrassing. You know, it's completely oh, yeah. embarrassing. So they put especially, handcuffs on your neck, though. Yeah, it was handcuffs on me. I walked me, out my, walked me out of school and I got in a squad car that was right in the front of the school. And so it's just God like knows, everybody. Even they were gonna do, they could have done that after school, before school. They didn't have to do that at his house. I had right. just I had just seen the school resource officer. Like, man, these people who I seen every day for almost four years. Like I dedicated all my extracurricular time to playing sports. I was just in the newspaper a week before. You know, all conference. So by me, like football. So right. by me the next week being in the newspaper, you know, saying rape, aggravated sodomy, kidnapping. Child molestation. Kidnapping. Like, man, those those Sorry. those are charges that you made. You watch a Lifetime movie and you see right. something like that. Yeah, that's real, that's some real shit. Yeah. It's like, yeah. oh, my God, this is a monster. Who is yeah. this dude? Like, this but like, you, don't, you don't think that, you know what I'm saying, something like that is actually going to happen to you. So that's why I was pretty much in disbelief. So when I went, 17. you know, yeah. So when I went to the police station. So I'm are you crying at this point? I'm you, sure. You got to like, be. Yeah, I'm sure. Like, because I'm, I'm, I'm in disbelief. I'm like, I don't believe what's happening. How, how long? What, what was the duration? between when you got the call that they wanted to talk to you, took you into the station, interrogation room. What was the, the time span from that interrogation day to this day when they so arrested you at school? So my friends called me from leaving the police station, you know, after talking to them. Um, this was January the 1st, so it was on New Year's. I ended up talking to them maybe two days later. Gotcha. And then January 6th is when I was incarcerated. So this, is, January this 6th, is all 2000, within one week. 2004, yeah. You know, I went to, once once they locked me up, man, I went to Max. I went to, like, 3 Max. I never forget. Um, it was 3 like Max. 3 Max. What, what's that? They're like, so the floor was the third floor, and it was a maximum security. You're you 17. 17 years old. I what? didn't know what to expect, man. You know, it was just. So it was it was booking straight to. Straight to Max. Yeah, you went straight to Max. You know, because oh, you basically, wow. most of the time, classify based on what your charge is. Right. You know, so in that, like, you got, like, I have four of the seven deadly sins. Like, you know what? They weren't going to put me in an open dorm, you know? So it's just like... I mean, you're, you're labeled a monster at this yeah, point already. you're labeled a predator. Just from your charge. You're labeled a predator. Yeah, absolutely. I went to, like, a bun hearing the next morning. You know, I've stayed overnight. So when I went to the bun hearing, the judge denied the bun. The judge was saying that um, he felt like my co-defendants were there. They were incarcerated also. So it was six of us. Right. And so they were, um, mm -hmm. so they were um, incarcerated also. When he denied the bun, he said that we were a danger, endangerment to society. It's crazy. Now, just the week before, society, you, know. you were in the paper, yep, all conference, yep. football, yep. but all of a sudden, yep. you're a and menace. Then, and then, not that, you know, the girl's mother came to court and she said, everything that my daughter did was on her own will. Mm -hmm. So the state picked these charges. Mm -hmm. They said they cannot turn a blind eye to crime. Uh. And if they didn't pick it up, the state would pick it up. So they had to prosecute us. 
So, um, yeah, so I spoke up. Like, I always been the kind that's just okay, going to speak I, up. So. One question. You, I know go I know back. all our listeners are, are thinking right now, the, the young woman, was she black or white? She was black. But, we, you know, we were pretty much in, a, like, a, a predominantly, you know, white county. You know, Gosh. here in Douglas County, you so know, this, like, this their, is an opportunity their county them. is, like, 90% conviction rate. They really didn't play. They didn't play out there. So, so it's interesting, the charges, right? So how can it be rape if the mom is explicitly saying, hey. So it was two girls there. It was a 17-year-old and it was a 15-year-old. Okay. So the child molestation came in, you know, because they say a person under the age of 16 cannot consent to any sexual act. No matter what. So in, um, in like, you know, as a teenager. Even by to not a 17-year-old. Yeah. So by a teenager Just that gap. not having sexual education in the school, you won't know what the age of consent is. Now, these kids, they may, like, I go and I speak to schools now, and they know now. But they knew from my case. Correct. You know what I'm saying? In which it caused a lot of, you know, uproar. It caused a lot of people to, you know, want to educate their kids after they see. Like, nobody believes something bad can happen until it to happens. their kid until it happens. And it happens close to them. Right. You see what I'm saying? Yep. Like, as long as it doesn't affect somebody else, it don't matter. Mm -hmm. You know, but the fact that it had happened, it's like, okay, so now I need to talk to them. Because th yeah. this is what can happen now. You know, by, by, wow. by having that bond denied and me still having to stay in jail... So I, I literally went three weeks, almost to a month, before I finally got a bill, and the bill was twenty five thousand dollars. We don't. I come from nothing. My family ain't got no money. So my mom had to end up literally putting her house up, you know, in order to get me out. So it was a property bond, and so I got out on a property bond. My grandfather, he's been a big influence in my life. I didn't grow up with a dad, but my grandfather, you know, helped my mom, you know, hire me an attorney. And so, you know, back then I had, you know, braids, you know, I, you know, I, I had a couple of tattoos, you know, back then you had a little pullout grill and stuff. So it was just like perception is reality. Right. Yeah. So, but what they saw and how they seen me was a, a young, arrogant thug, you know, because I dressed a certain way or I looked a certain way, you know, so it was like, you know, stereotype. Right. But you at, know, the, as we at this point, are. right. So you in high school, you got, you got good grades, you got right. scholarship offers, That's right? right. Right. And, like, none of that stuff became a it, I factor. mean, but it doesn't matter, you know, in the sense of, like, if you doing something, homecoming you know, that's king. considered wrong. Right. Yeah, I was a home, I was first ever homecoming king at that school. Yeah. So the, the wrong I, over, overrides yeah, I mean, everything else. Your wrong is always, in the eye of society nowadays, even. Yeah. You know, whatever wrong that you do is going to That be, defines you. Yeah. It's an important fact that, you know, as I continue to tell the story, because my co-defendants end up pleading out. They, Explain they, what, what you mean by pleading out for the people. So listening. pleading out is, is like accepting a plea. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's almost saying, you know, like a guilty plea, you know, for a lesser lesser charge and a lesser right. amount of time that you're given. But it's basically you signing your rights away, you know, right. because you don't want to go to trial. You don't want to take the gamble of real time. You don't want to take the trouble of going to trial, getting convicted, and, you know, you get stuck with that time. What what did, what did some of their plea uh, deals look like? What did they walk away with in those plea so deals? So they walked away with the appeal was a 15 to 5. Okay. Which was served 15, 15 years on probation, served five years in prison. And so you oh can't. Yeah, and, and, and so by in, their, in, in, in those pleas, would they have to register as sex offenders? Absolutely. Oh my God. So, what? So with me, like, you know, These I. These 17 year old. Yeah, 17, young 18 black year old young men. So, you know, oh. and, and, and let, me, let me start this. Like, let me do say this. Like, you know, parents, if you listening, young people, if you listening, I'm not sitting up here today saying I condone that type of behavior. But I'm telling you what I did as a young man, and, mm -hmm. I, and by me telling you, I made idiotic or stupid mistakes by being a young person and just trying to live what I feel like the right thing to do. Not necessarily the right thing to do, but things that I wanted to experience. Right, and I know, just want to so, step up on your behalf yeah. real quick and say, like, yeah. I don't even, maybe someone will disagree with me. But when I think back to what you just explained, or not even done explaining, and I compare it with my experience and probably your experience, like, I don't think anything was... Idiotic. It it was uninformed. It was uninformed. Right. Yeah. It ill prepared for that situation to because you you didn't right. know like now, you, you truly were ignorant right. around which most of our listeners would be. I would absolutely say that at that age I was absolutely in the same situation. Like right. I, I mean, it, meaning not knowing the consequences of something that could be right. not even thinking like that. Like, like I'm a junior, she's a sophomore. It's all good. Yeah, yeah. you wouldn't. You wouldn't. So you you don't you you wouldn't expect that. You know. So like I said, you, wouldn't you know, know. It's, I always say it to this day. Do you know it's so hard for me to even go in the school system and speak? 
Like, normally when I go and I speak to a school, it's because somebody that I may have a close relationship with, and they say, hey, I want you to come and talk to my kids. I was telling them about you, you know, because I took on the role of being a mentor. You know what I'm right. saying? I'm wanting to talk to kids, you know, wanting to impact them, because who am I like, you know, to have all the supporters that I eventually got later down the road um, to not want to reach back and help somebody else? You know, especially like, you know, experience is the best teacher. I, I know our listeners are dying. Let's, let's get back to the story. You, yeah. Okay. The, the plea yeah, deal so, was going so, on. So they accepted a plea deal. So they end up accepting the charge of, you know, like a lesser crime, which was like um, child molestation, sexual battery. But it's, it's scary that lifetime. that's the lesser crime. Uh-huh. That's the lesser crime. And it, it's, oh it's still God. a life sentence of, you know, having to register as a sex offender. Yeah. You know, me, I didn't accept the plea because, you know, like I, I didn't, you know, right? I had a strong mother first off. You know, my mom was like, uh-uh, like, no. Because, and then... I didn't have anywhere to go. If I would have, if, if I would have, what, what would I paroled out to? I had a younger sister. My sister was five or six years old. So when, when you have to be a registered sex offender, you can't be around any school, church, playground, bus stops. You can't be wow. in a house with a minor. And that means someone under the age sister? of 18. Yeah, so like where I was going to parole out to. You know, so it's just like, I couldn't take that. That's a lifetime sentence. Like, I don't care if you went to prison and you got out after 18 months. You still don't have nowhere to go. You, you can't still go have home. to register. Right. And listen, so, I just want to point out real quick that wow. it, what what Gennaro just described about the the pleading out, taking that plea deal, that's what happens. And he may be able to add more. That's what happens so often in our criminal justice system. Yeah. The majority of cases in the system never go to trial because they are incentivized to get you guilty yeah. or not to accept the plea deal, get out of the system, do time where they can profit off of you. It's Go watch 13th, but they talked about these issues. And sorry mm-hmm. to interrupt. I just wanted to, no, 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 wanted to plug because this, I mean, this episode's real different from our norms. So I, I mean, to plug like, that. You, you, you right. Like, you know, you know, we're we're not really educated on what a plea deal is versus, you know, still having your rights to right. to appeal your case. Yep. Like if you take a plea deal, you can't ain't no appeal. Right. You know, like you can go back for a sentence sentence review, you know, but as far as like Appealing your case, no, you know, because you signed over your rights. You can't, you can't motion for a new trial. You can't motion to reconsider or go to the court of appeals or go to Supreme Court. You know, because you signed that plea saying I'm guilty. You know, and like I said, a lot of the time, you know, you you have a lot of innocent people out here. You know, but they're scared because me going to trial, I was I was facing two life sentences. You were gambling. I was facing two two life life sentences. sentences. Yeah, because I was I was they. Took away um, oh. the aggravated side of me and the. Uh, You're 17 and facing mm-hmm. two. Life I, was, I was facing because I, I was going to trial for rape and aggravated child molestation and sexual battery. Now they asked me to take a plea and they they was just like you you know you still have an opportunity to take the plea but I wouldn't take it. And so thank I was just God like, for a strong mother mm-hmm. in your corner and grandfather. And actually I don't know if I should say thank God because he you didn't even tell the rest of your story. Let me shut up and yeah. So we um so I ended up going to trial. Basically you know my trial started February twenty first two thousand five. It lasted. Monday to Friday. Uh-huh. So Friday. That's it? Mm-hmm. So Friday, my jury came back. And, th- and this is the question that they asked. Like, out of maybe 16 to 20 witnesses coming up, nobody had anything bad to say. The, of course, the prosecutor tried to drill me and, you know, and right. ask me, like, you know, you know, try to, you know, make a mockery of me. But, you know, my life is... My in, life is what my life yeah, is. My, that was my good. life is... Is in jeopardy here, you know, right. my future. I was considered like, you know, someone who they considered trying to be a martyr, you know, and like trying to be a hero, you know, per right. se, because I was challenging them. But it wasn't that. It was just like I want to fight for myself to have a future. I want to fight for my children who I didn't have yet. Right. You know, but, but I wanted time, to you didn't feel like you'd done right. anything wrong. Yeah, like, and I didn't feel like I, I was what they portraying yeah. me as like yeah. I'm not a molester. You know what I So it, it like this law was meant for adults preying on young children, but you know, teens having fun with teens or you, you couldn't know, even fucking vote at 17. But you know what? <laughs> if they said if we, if I, we would have had intercourse, if we would have had sex, I would have been charged with a misdemeanor versus a felony. What? Because it, because it was oral. Oral is considered sodomy. And side, they can't charge you with sodomy, so it was just like... Oh, like, that's right, because you said there were there's some sex acts that require mm-hmm. a 10-year sentence, right? At mm-hmm. that time. It was a mandatory minimal sentence that carried with that. That is so, so fucking um, so crazy. So had sexual intercourse... Vaginally, right, and got a lesser crime than than receiving oral sex, right? It was a case that was right before mine. They were supposed to go back and change the law, but they didn't. And you know, sometimes the judicial system or the lawmakers don't like to say that they're wrong. Amen. They don't like to say it, you know. So it's just like once you get caught up, you know, you 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 are 
it's hard. It's hard. It's easier to fight your case when you're on the street versus when you're in prison. Wow. You so know, you so. are on trial. They pleaded out. You're facing two life sentences for mm-hmm. these four, hmm. what'd you call them? For four, four of the seven deadly seven sins. Four of so. seven deadly sins. Jesus yeah, so okay. my, my jury came back out. and um, they After asked a, a week. Yeah, so five they, asked, days. they asked the question. They said, you know, what if the defendant did not have the intent of committing a crime? And um, the judge in the DA said, it does not matter. Ignorance is not an exception. So just because he does not know something doesn't what? mean that he shouldn't have educated himself. That's crazy. Because, like, now, I can, I can understand that. But only in the context of a fully functional, fully developed, grown man, right? At 17, your brain isn't done developing, right? Like, you, you, you truly are ignorant. Like, you—, you there's, Right, this there's, was your social stratosphere. This is— yeah, not, no, not, not just that, but you, 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 you placing the blame. Like you know, I grew up. When, I grew up in a single parent home. You know, when it was just my mom. My mom worked light nights. Like I said, she worked in a nightclub, and she tried to do everything to provide for me. You know, and my my young sister then. But it's just like you know, the laws that are made. She didn't have a law book when she got home at you know right. two or three o'clock right. in the morning and say, "Hey, son, come here. This law was This law was passed." And, you know, in your school, like, you know, when you're going to school, you're thinking that they're going to educate your kids or they're going to have, you know, certain classes that's going to be in line to help prepare you, you know. So it was just like, I, I'm i not blaming, you know, anybody else for the decisions that I made, but just that statement in court to say ignorance is not an exception. He should have educated himself. You know, I think that that was just, that was Educating a bit hard. yourself on something it was you a bit, didn't it was, know you yeah, were educated hard. Hard. I would say 99% of students today don't know that. Right. The thing is, you don't know what you don't know. Therefore, you don't know what you need to know. Like, how do you, you educate you, yourself on something that you don't know you need to be educated exactly. on? And, like, and you, you don't even know that you need exactly. this. Right. right. I mean, because society tells you, older man, wow. illegal woman, right? I get that. If, if I'm 30, if I'm, if, if I'm 25, if I'm R. Kelly, right? You don't sleep with a 14, 15, 16-year-old girl. But if I'm a 17-year-old man... In school, this woman who's taking classes with me, who stands right beside me. Not even young, man. You're still a boy. Right. That's who I flirt with. That's who I talk with. That's who we go to prom together. Like, you don't even think. We the same classes. Right. How how do you you set that line and say, I'm sorry, I can't with you because you're not 16 for another three months. this law statute, X, Y, Z, But you know, even even with that law, like even with me being 17, her being 15. And listen, I promise there's more coming. You you ain't even got there yet. If I was 16, I still would have been charged the same way. Yep. Because she was not 16, so she couldn't consent. So So anything under 16? A person under the age of 16 cannot consent to any sexual act. So what if it was two 15-year-olds? Um, you know, you you still can be punished. You still can be punished. It may it may be different. It may be like something like maybe like statutory. because no one's over sixteen. Mm-hmm. Like you, she can't consent. And yeah. and parents listening, what we might touch on some of this, but the reason this is important to you right now is because what's happening still to this day is the sexting and the sharing and oh, the yeah. sending oh, yeah. of pictures. So, These so, are big deals. It's so more with that, even, now. even with that, okay. So you're talking about we got caught up in a time for where we were using a VHS, like. Society, like as a whole, has changed because you got you got Instagram, you got Snapchat, you got Facebook, you got the live, um, you got um all these different social media accounts. You got FaceTime, you got all this stuff that you can do. Yeah, it's so easy to match seeing once you record something. But kids feel so comfortable recording each other. I should know, but you feel so comfortable with recording each other and just you know showing people what you're doing. Their entire lives have been recorded. Yeah, but you can't get that moment back. You can't get that moment back because that moment will go viral, and then that's something that'll hunt you forever. Trust me, five minutes of fun cost me a lifetime of trouble. All right, so speaking, let's get back to what what happened. Right, they it's Monday through Friday. They came back. They asked, what yeah. if... What, what if right. the defendant did not have an intent to commit the crime? And they were told, ignorance is not an exception. And so they went back in the room to deliberate. And once they came back, my jury for a woman, she was crying. She was crying. And then I was wondering, I was looking at her like, why is she crying? And she stood up, you know, she was like, you know, not guilty of rape, not guilty of sexual battery. But she said, guilty of aggravated child molestation. Because... You got to think about it. Like, if they, you know, they, if she's crying, you know, if they they didn't want to convict me, but they felt coerced. 
You know what I'm saying? They felt they had to because they, even if you're asking a question, what if he did not have the intent? You know, you're telling them it is not an, it does not matter. Ignorance is not an exception. They felt like they option. had no other choice. Yeah. Yeah, I cried, man. Like, you know, because, like, that was my life, you know? And it was just like, that's a mandatory 10 years in prison. I'm, when I say mandatory, I mean every day of 10 years. So There's I end no up, early release. No, no There's early no release. good behavior. No, There's no none, none of that. You can appeal. Every day. Yeah, so I could appeal, but I wouldn't think about that at the time. So I left, you know, um, went back, you know, to the jail. I, you know, I called my mom. Um, once I called her, she was like, you know, baby, it's okay. We're going to be all right. You know, your jury spoke up. They did an interview with Channel 2. They was telling yeah, them Shout out to that, your moms, man. Yeah, yeah, my mom was a beautiful woman, strong woman. You know, if it weren't for her, I wouldn't be who I am now. They spoke up and said they didn't want to convict me. They felt like, you know, you know, I was only doing what teens do. That started everything then. You know, the NAACP got involved. Got a lot of supporters that got involved. I started doing different interviews. It was a lady named Chandra Thomas. She mm-hmm. snuck into the jail. She had like a pen and paper in her bra. And she she wrote like she did an interview with me in Visitation. And, you know, she did an article in Atlanta Magazine. That, that interview in Atlanta Magazine got the attention of um, Black America Web. Um, Black of America Web did an article. And, you know, Tom Joyner is attached to that. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so um, I started doing interviews with Tom Joyner. I did an interview with... And this is why you're in jail. Why I was All in jail. All this is happening. Mm-hmm. He's locked up. So I did, um, I did ABC Primetime. I did an interview with ESPN. Because I had the support of Mark Cuban through, you know, Tom wow. Joyner because he was in Dallas with Tom. And he was saying he wouldn't come to Atlanta to play the Hawks until I was released. And then, you know, um, like I said, oh, wow. I couldn't I couldn't afford. Big shit, I buddy. couldn't afford, you know, like legal support. But, you know, people, they start raising money. It came up with a web address. Why, why is Janarla Wilson in prison? And this and, is before GoFundMe. Mm-hmm. And so I did like a HD net um, small documentary. So I did like a lot of interviews, especially over the phone and everything, you know, et cetera. But um, Tom Jonah was one of my biggest supporters, definitely. We had to, the courts, we went back through the courts and we went through like motion for new trial, got denied, went through court of appeal, got denied, went through Supreme Court, it got denied. I probably had about seven appeals we that got Supreme denied. We say Supreme Court, you mean Georgia Supreme Court? Georgia okay. Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. It got denied. So you I, know, got, I got one question. I know that when cases go to the U.S. Supreme Court, and lose, they can't go back to any lesser court. But when it's just denied from being heard, does that basically say we agree with the ruling from the lower court? And then can you still appeal after that? Yeah. So, I mean, you just have to find, you have to submit another brief. Okay. Because it has to be, you know, like you have to find a flaw in the law or something, you uh, know, specifically right. to say, and you know, why you, you why you felt like you were wrongly convicted. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, you know, in my case, my, um, my attorney's, Argument was cruel and unusual punishment. Right. You know, and yeah. so, um, Amen. I'm mm-hmm. Amen so, to that. And so, when they went in, um, the, the first year they tried to get the law changed, um, it got, you know, it, it didn't go through. But the second year that a law got passed, it's called the Romeo and Juliet law. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? The provision stating that teenagers having consensual sex with teenagers within four years of age mm-hmm. is not considered a felony, but a misdemeanor. And was that in part of it was from what happened case. with you? Yes. Your case led mm-hmm. to that? Yeah. And so, oh, wow. Yeah, but they didn't make the law retroactive. You know, see, it was that, a lot of shit. That's so, so it, it fucked up. So your yeah. case yeah. led to the creation of this law that then protects any other teen yeah. who engages in sex from going through, like, felony status. Right. But and it didn't, didn't even apply to you. No, it didn't. What the fuck? How yeah. does the country not see a problem with and, and, but see, your case? How does the not see a problem see with the, the, that the country, But see, the country did have a problem with it because this, my case was happening like, you know, it was I around the same time. I guess should say the, the judicial system, not yeah, the country. Yeah, the judicial Man. system, yeah. yeah. So Which it would happen country. around the same time that Jenna 6 happened. And, you know, it was yes, like a little huge uproar. And I had the support of a lot of people because it was like they had marches. It was a march for me out in Douglasville. It was probably about three to 5,000 people that was marching. I had to support. Then he wasn't a president, but um, Barack Obama, he spoke about me. And, you know, just saying, like, you know, why is a 17-year-old boy, a football star, in prison? Then you had um, a lot of different other people, you know, that were just speaking about the case. You know, so I got the support of a whole lot of people in which I was blessed, you know. And like I said, it, it was never the fact that I was seeking you know, some kind of notoriety or fame from it. But I was just fighting for my life. Yeah. You know, I was fighting for a second chance. I was fighting, you know, not be labeled, you know, what I was not. And that was a molester. Right. You know, was I was I guilty of being a, a kid, you know, who were doing what kids do? 
yes. You know, but I wasn't trying to harm anybody. You know, that's why I say I, I don't condone the behavior, but you have to address it with your kids because they're going to, you know, like want to try stuff, especially like, you know, prom night or, or different, you know, when they have these breaks or, you know, skipping class. Like, you know, what do you think they up to? You know, they're going to try to smoke weed. They're going to try to drink. They're going to try to have sex. And if you don't talk to them about it and say, hey, this could happen, you're going to wait too late until something actually has happened. As a like, parent, you have to right. arm your children with the information that educates them, to put them in a position to make decisions that best benefit them. Yeah. Because, because your point is, ignorance by ignorance our judicial system is not system an exception, but not, not a, just that, but you can make a bad choice, but you can't pick your consequence. Correct. That's it. That's it. Correct. So you can, you can say, hey, correct. you know, hey, I, I, I'm going to go out and I'm going to tow the gun. But if yeah. you get caught with that gun, you can't control what's going to happen. to you. You know, so it, it's just like, you know, that that's what happened with me. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I couldn't control, you know, what was happening, you know, and I thought about it every day. Like, you know, what am I going to do if I get a second chance? Or well, I knew things were going to work out for me, but I just didn't know when, yeah. you know, and I really soaked a lot into my faith. You know, like I read the Bible inside out. I prayed, and I think that's really what got me through. I can say the law was changing all that, but I know God worked through people in order to help me, right. you know, and, and that's what got me my second chance. So, so bef before we get there, you were you you were talking about doing all the interviews and Tom joining Barack right. Obama. Right. What? So like nowadays, when things happen that that impact the black community, Trayvon Martin, Mike Brown, Alton Sterling, Antoine Rose was was right. recent. What happens is the community gets built up, we get riled up, we we talk, we march, we tweet, we post, we become social activists for the moment, right? And then a month or two months later, that That's dies right. down. Right. In your case. Like, how long did that fervor last? And then after that, how much more time did you end up spending in prison? After the law was changed, it wasn't made retroactive. I ended up kind of filing what's called a habeas corpus. Right. The difference between my case and then and now, like, it wasn't social media. Like, so it wasn't like, you know, that strong presence like that. So, it was, you know, it wasn't easy to forget because, you know, like I said, you know, people were still kind of pushing for right. me. But there was no way know, to put it in everyone's face every moment. You couldn't yeah, no, post no. and see it no, on Facebook. because, yeah, it, it wasn't just it wasn't just that time yet. You had to log you in know? the AOL, go to Black America web and read the article. Yeah, you have to read yeah. the articles or when something comes out on the news or, you know, people will reach out to my mom or my attorney and see what's right. going on. Or whenever I did an interview, you know, people may hear about it after that. But, but uh, or like when I was, was going to court, you know, it that's was pretty when consistent, would see. though. Like the support, yeah, it, like was, it didn't, it didn't, it, it didn't waver. I, I won't say that the support, it, it did not waver. That's so it, it wasn't just one of those movements that just died. Right. I can't say that it's, it's just different from you know the movements now because you know like everything now has a strong social media presence. Right. So back then, like it didn't waver. Like I still had that that same consistent support every time I went to court. Okay. I put in the habeas corpus, which is a lawsuit against the. The, the warden in the prison where you are, yep. um, that small town judge, he said, um, give him, you know, five days to think about it. He came back. I went to court on June 6th. When you say give him five days, give the warden? No, no, give the judge. So he, okay, he, he gotcha. heard Sorry. the case. Yeah. And um, this was June 6th, 2007. And he so at this point, back. you've been in jail for two and a half years. Because yes. you went in February 05. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. He, he said, give him um, five days. On June 11, 2007, he came back. He ruled in my favor, said it was cruel and unusual punishment. But um, he ordered me to be free, you know, like with time served. Oh, but, really? Yeah, he did. But I wasn't released because the attorney general challenged the, um, the, his ruling, said he didn't have the authority to make that. So I stayed in prison. So it was just, it was, it, it went on. It was constant. I um, oh, wow. I ended up, my attorney put in like an expedited, speedy hearing for the um, Supreme Court. And so this happened in June, October 26, 2007. The Supreme Court, they came out, they decided on my favor. Four to three. The ruling was 43. And well, that I it was cruel and punishment. Yeah. So, so it could have been one vote that, that that kept me in prison until November 2014. But I was released um, October 26, 2007. But I was still a felon. Don't get me wrong. Like, my sentence was overturned. I was still a felon. Oh, I was a felon for seven years after that. I went back and got my felony record vacated after just, you know, working, like, I went to Morehouse, went to Morehouse four years, I ended up kind of graduated, well, graduated from Morehouse. President Obama was a, a commencement speaker. I um, was working in the Cab County Sheriff's Office as a detention technician. The whole time, I, you're still a felon. Yeah, I'm still a felon. I ended up getting GCIC certified, 
Georgia Information Crime Center. Like, okay. And so when I looked at my criminal history, I seen that mine wasn't updated. When I seen that it wasn't updated, I end up contacting the courts in Douglasville, the clerk's office, and just telling them, like, hey, ever since this happened, you know, I've had a child. Um, I've graduated from college. I've been married. I work in law enforcement. You know, this is really hindering me because I was literally booking people in under the law that I, the, the charge that I got changed. And they were misdemeanors, but I was still here a felon. And everywhere I had to go and stay somewhere, my criminal history came up and I had to get a letter from my attorney stating that I'm not on parole. Um, I'm not a sex offender or anything, you know. So I, I eventually had to get that letter, but I went and filed something with the court, the clerk's office. They came back to me a week later. They called me and they said, hey, the judge down here, he decided in your favor we're going to send you the ruling. You know, you're not a felon anymore. We ran your GCIC. And after that, like, you know, things kind of just went uphill for me. So this is like 2014, 15 then? This is 2014. So l- let me get this straight. 2004. It was August in 2014. Damn, bro. I, I wasn't a felon anymore after that. December into January of 2004 is when all this happens. February of 2005 is when you're arrested. Right. Three years later after being turned down by the Supreme Court and then heard by the Supreme Court, ruled, supported the lower judge's ruling that your punishment was cruel and unusual. Right. But even though you're released, they didn't undo the cruel and unusual punishment. You carried it with you while you went to Morehouse, graduated, moved into the criminal justice system, had the Romeo and Juliet law passed that then kept people in your exact situation from doing jail time while you sat and booked people with your charge under misdemeanors and you still were considered a felon? Yeah, I was still a felon. Jesus Christ. I mean, but I knew that I couldn't be angry or frustrated. You know, You're because better than me, me being, brother. Me, I'm me angry and frustrated angry, listening to you. Me being angry and frustrated was only going to complicate matters even more. I can believe that. You had to be focused. I had a life that I was trying to live. I had everybody to prove wrong because, yeah. you know, I had people, by the, by the same time I had people who supported me, I had people that place bets against me going back to jail or going back to prison. So or, you know, up. that that's my attorney told me once I came home. She said, you know, they got a bet on you on when you're going to go back. I said, I'm not going to make them happy. You know, so, I'm not going to make them like, happy. This, I'm, this I'm is gonna my do question. What supposed to do. How do you maintain your mental state? How do you stay mentally together through all that? Like, it's tough for me. When we talked a couple of weeks ago, I was literally laying in my bed and I had you on speakerphone because I wanted my wife to hear the story. And it's one of those stories that it makes me, I felt so sad and hurt for what you went through. But at the exact same time, my, my son walked in my room at one time. He's a 13-year-old, 6 foot, 204, 5 pound, 13-year-old African-American child. And all I could see when I looked at him was your story. Like, it bothered me to my core. And I was just hearing it, right? Experiencing the little bit that you told me. How the fuck did you maintain, like, your sanity and who you are through all this? I guess when I had so many people that were really praying for me and supporting for me, like, Mm. I couldn't really, I couldn't really fold, you know? And it was just like, I mean, you know, like, I had to really rely on my faith. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, faith is the substance of all things hoped for. Amen. You know, it's like, even when you can't see it, you have to believe it. You have to know that it's going to happen. I just knew, like, okay, I'm going to get another opportunity. I'm going to get another chance. But when I get it, I have to take advantage of it. So when I did get that chance, I came home and I was focused. Like, I wanted to go to school. I wanted to be at Morehouse because I knew that they could mold me into the man that I needed to become. I wanted to stay close to my family. You know, I wanted to, you know, be protected by them because, like I said, I've been, you know, attacked by even groups. Like, you know, when I go and talk to kids and stuff, you know, it's, it's been a, it's, it, was, it was a group that attacked me. And, and this group was called, like, um, What About Our Daughters? This group was just, it's called me everything. Like, it just, you know, every time something happened, like, I, I went and spoke down at the Tom Jordan Family Reunion. Um, and they were, I think they were sponsored by, like, Allstate. This lady sent a message out to Allstate, like, oh, how you can let this convicted molester or you can let this person, like, you know. And they don't people even know your story. Don't, even, don't even really know, but they just sit behind their computers. And it was just like so many people told me, don't say nothing to her, don't do this. But I had to really, I lived under a microscope for so long. 
Right. You know, like just not not even spinning on the sidewalk because people will say, oh, you seen Janelle over there? He just spit on that sidewalk. He lock need to go up. back to jail. You know, so like they do, I, they, once you are a felon, they will lock you up for just, anything. It, the, system, just, the system's crazy. But not just that, but it's just like, it's Meek just Mill. like you seeing, you seeing like once something happened to you, society is so unforgiving. Yeah. You know, it's just like if you see a liar, Oh, look at that, 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 that person. He be lying all the time, man. Get him yeah. out of here. I don't want to deal with him. A person who stole something. Oh, he, look at that thief that's stealing something. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, it's always, people always remember you by just what you went through. Right. You Correct. Know, so and they don't know what you actually did. They don't know. To, to, to get yeah. to where you at now. Which they don't know. Actually, they don't know. Or what you even went through then. Yeah, like, they don't know your everyday real. struggle. So, like, in that yeah. point, I just decided to keep going and to move forward because outside of who, it didn't matter what anybody had to say. I was a spokesperson for people who didn't have second chances because now it may be a little bit easier for people to get second chances, but it was hard when right. I was going through the situation to get one chance, right. you know, to get a second chance because, second chance. yeah, so it's like, you know, people now, like, they get three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten chances, but back then, I couldn't get a second chance. You know, it was like I, w- I was praying for this. So I wasn't. I'm not. I, w- I didn't let. I wasn't gonna let anybody deter me from my road to redemption. Amen. To show that. people like, hey, you know, this is who I am. I, I really want to make a difference out here because to serve is to be great, and that's the greatest gift that we can give. You know, so what? By people stand behind their computers and they 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 judge me. Keyboard games. You know, like yeah, like you ain't really out here trying to help help nobody. Like I'm, right. I'm going and I'm talking to these kids and I'm trying to help them and understand their decisions. Right. I'm trying to talk to them about what their parents are not trying to talk to them about, and not and it's not the parents' fault. You, you know, but know it's either. just that yeah, yeah. It, and it's just like you don't th- you really don't think that something can happen. Like as a kid, as a teenager, mm-hmm. you don't think that anything can happen to you. And then as a parent, you don't want to believe that something can happen to your child. Right. You know, because you have that disconnect with them somehow. Like sometimes, I guess young people, you don't feel comfortable to talk to your parents about what you're doing because they're going to judge you. And as a parent, you don't want to talk to your kid because, you know, you don't want to make them uncomfortable as well as yourself. You know, so it's just like it's, it's a very important conversation that has to be talked about. And now... After I left the jail, because that was like the worst time of my life, having to go back and, you know, experience just being behind bars every single day, you know. So, I mean, I, but I had to do that to support my family. I had a child on the way. I was I was married. You know, I wanted to provide for them. So I ended up going to um, work with the city of Atlanta, like a branch of the mayor's office and workforce development. So I was helping people you know, re-enter, you know, the labor market or get mm-hmm. jobs or looking at their resume, identifying their skills and, you know, just helping teens re-enter um, secondary education as well as go to post-secondary education through federal funds, you know, that, you know, were allocated for them if they, you know, went through their process. And then so I left there um, after two and a half years. I work as a restorative justice specialist now with the um, the city's municipal court. And, you know, I just enjoy helping people. I I recently just went through a training where I became a life coach, you know, so I get to talk to, you know, kids who pretty much age out of foster care, you know, and they're in that um, independent living program and trying to become young adults, you know, because I understand what it feels like to, you know, like you asked me, how did I keep my mental state? I had to keep moving forward. But mentally, I went through a stage for where I wasn't okay. You know, as I listen to it, it makes me think of something. I am. I'm a very firm believer in that there are no mistakes, right? Mm-hmm. I have, you mentioned faith. I have an extremely strong faith. I feel like all the bad things or the things that I interpret as being bad that I have gone through have been ordained by God. The devil has no impact and no play in my world, right? God leads me through good times and through bad times. And even through the bad times, there's a reason for me going through that. The pain that I feel, there's a reason for the pain that I feel when I feel it. Right. So now that you're on on this side, of your situation, and you've mentioned this aspect of faith a couple of times, what do you think God's purpose for you was in putting you through that or allowing you to go through that? I think that God, took, he allowed for me to go through this situation to grow. And it wasn't just about me, but it was just like he placed me in a position for where I went through this and I was able to help other people. Right. You know, not only was a law that was changed here in Georgia, but it was a law that was changed in seven other states. Wow, all because of your case. I don't want to just, you know, 
Yeah, it, it was, you. you know, right. in the sense of like, you right. know, technically speaking, yeah, right, it influenced, influenced it. it. Yeah, so it was a, you know, I, I would say that, you know, it, it influenced it, but because it brought awareness, right. you know, but it was a lot of people who were able, who were granted a second chance after me, right. and they were able to go back and live their, you know, live a normal life, you know, right. because of this law change, right. you know, so I mean, I would just say my situation wasn't in vain. Right. You know, and sometimes it, it, it took a lot for me to understand the magnitude of it because I, some people would say, man, I went to law school because of you or, yeah. you know, you you made me get into law and, you know, and some some people still see me at the courthouse now and they be like, man, you still here? You deserve you to do so much more or, you know, you don't got a mentoring program or you, you should be doing this or where your book at or what, you know, what you're going to do next, you know, and, and they see stuff in me that... I didn't even see myself. You know, yeah. me, I was just doing what I had to do because my back was against the wall. Right. And you never know how strong you are until you put in a position. But people like that. And I, and I understand that's what being a mentor is. A mentor is like, you know, so I thank the people who, you know, who who seen something in me. But like, so me, it's easy for me to kind of point it out in these kids now to be like, you know, look, man, I see something in you, you know what I'm saying, that, that pretty much remind me of me. You know, that people seeing that me and I know you can do better. I know I, I can feel that you want to do better, right. you know, and, and and it's up to me to kind of push them. Right. So I, I I believe uncomfortable positions, you know what I'm saying, like they, they help us grow. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's a part of growth. Right. So by me being in an uncomfortable position, it put me in a position where I can identify what my purpose is. Right. You know what I'm saying? And my purpose is to, you know what I'm saying, to help helping lead others, you know, based off, you know, some of the things that I may have gone through. Right. Mm -hmm. Look, you know? We are running low on time, and man, it's been an amazing episode, but yeah. I want to I wanna close it with with asking you a question. Yes. Uh, and, and I want to apologize to our listeners. I went back and forth a couple times on what the format of today's episode should be. <laughs> we definitely deviated. Right. right. And I mean, Rightfully even at the so. beginning of this episode, I was thinking we were going to stick to our normal format, but the content's too important, and we didn't give you your wild black shit today. I apologize, but hopefully you see the the blessing, the merit, the reward in, in overlooking that today. We promise we'll get back to that. But Gennaro, to you, man, I, I mentioned the mentorship. I'm a member of the 100 Black Men, and right. we mentor literally every other Saturday mm -hmm. to uh, large groups of, of, of young black boys, young black men in a few locations in and around the city. And the young men probably would never believe like just how genuine my care for them is as well as the other mentors. We we sit back, we laugh with them. We hear some of the stories that they've got going on. Some of us are, sometimes we have to fuss at them or yell at them and, and they don't understand the reasons why, right? We hear some of these conversations about sexting, about sneaking out, about all the things that they do. Right. And what I fully recognize is the majority of these young men don't even think about the consequences outside of I might get grounded. I might right. get in trouble with my mom. They don't mom. know. Right? right. They don't think further. Right. And to your point, a lot of them don't even recognize that you could end up in jail for the rest of your life or for several years. You could end up dead. Right. They, they just don't even go that far with it. So if you were talking directly to them, and I know we've talked about bringing you in and I definitely want to right. do that. But if you were talking directly to those, not the parents, but directly to the young men and young women who hopefully their parents are letting them listen to this right now, what would you tell them? I always use this term, man. I always say it's cool to be lame. And, and I use that term in a sense for where young people are so influenced by what somebody else say to them, you know, they're going to do something because you call them lame. Right. You know, say, so, oh, I ain't lame, man. You know, are oh, you lame? You, you don't do this. You know, so I will always say, be comfortable with who you are. You know, understand that life is more than just about you. You know, like, don't get caught up in that peer pressure of doing what somebody else wants you to do. Be a leader, you know, and, and think on your own. You know, because like you said, you know, and like I said, what happened with me, it was five minutes of fun. It cost me a lifetime of trouble, mm. you know, and you can make a bad choice, but you definitely can't pick your consequence. So you have to be mindful of the decision that you're making right now because your thinking is so critical. The, the decision that you make, good or bad, it can impact you for a lifetime. Mm -hmm. So I would definitely say, man, just just think twice. If you don't know something, if you have a question about something, that's why you got the people that you love in your life, like maybe older, older siblings or cousins or, 
you know, mother, father, uncle, aunt, you know, whoever you feel comfortable talking to, you have to find somebody to talk to, though. Because if I could have avoided all this situation, like, you know, I wish I had somebody to talk to. You know, I wish I could have knew the things that I didn't know. I wish I would have known then what I know now. Just don't grow up before your time. And I always say this, like, I want to touch on something, you know, before, and I'm sorry. You heard me talk a lot about, you know, young men and, you know, having sex and all that. Like, you know, young men, you got to have enough, you know, when you like, when you call yourself liking somebody, have enough respect for these young women for where you're not doing things um, or taking advantage of them because you know they like you, you know, and you're not treating them like the young queens that they are or the young princesses that they are. Think about how you will want somebody to treat your mother or your sister or any girl in your life that you love that's close to you, your best friend, you know, um, because I always, you know, a question that was always asked to me, like, what about the girls? And I always think about, you know, them involved and how this impacted their lives as well, you know, because nobody needs to, you know, kind of carry around. They, They were affected through this also. It wasn't just me, you know, so I'm not, you know, in this situation. Right. Thinking like I'm, I'm, I was a victim, complete victim in this situation. Like, nah, I wish them no no harm, you know, and I prayed for them as well. And I've seen them, you know, I, I've seen the, and I was wished well, you know, by them. And, you know, had a conversation and I, and I understand how it affected one of them, you know. So I always just say have more respect mm-hmm. for those young women, you know, and young ladies have respect for yourself for where you don't feel like you got to do whatever it is just to get this guy's attention, you know, or to make him like you. You know, just have more self. I mean, have more respect for yourself. You know, so I, I, I definitely had to say that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, because, it makes sense. That's I got a daughter. You know, and you know, I, I want her to be treated. Absolutely. You know, with respect, and you know, I, and when she gets old enough, I can have this conversation right. with her, and she can learn from her dad's mistakes to know that you know, hey. Like I said, we we were young, man. We yeah. we were doing you know dumb stuff, you know, and like even though it's what teens do, you know, it's still about. Building character. Right. You know, and, and and sometimes it takes for you to experience hardship in order for your character, yeah. you know, to build. Well, one last very very quick question I want to ask, and just because I'm sure the listeners will want to know this. Um, the six brothers who pled out, what mm-hmm. happened to them? So um, after one of them, actually, he... Came home before me. He ended up um, being paroled out. He went to college. He went to Fort Valley State University. He played football. He traveled with an anchor monitor on his leg, you Mm -hmm. know, and he still played. He went through a lot of hardship, and he ended up getting called to go and and try out for the Detroit Lions. He didn't make the final cut, but he still was able to live out a dream, you know, by continuing to push forward, too. So he's doing really well. He was able to go back through the course and not be a sex offender anymore. All of them were able to kind of go back through the course and not be a sex offender. So all of them now have entered um, fatherhood except for one, you know, and one is still in prison just for, you know, on another charge. Oh, okay. I was about to say for yeah. the same thing, man. No, no, no. It was another charge. How many have ended up staying in longer than you did on the original plea? I want to say maybe three. Mm-hmm. You and your mom definitely, I mean, I know, I know for a time being it probably didn't feel like the right way, but thank God that... You and her combined together right. had that the strength to believe in in yourself, in your decisions, in your innocence. And I thank yeah. I thank God for her, you know, because if it weren't if it weren't for her, you know, and her her strength and you know her being able to tell the story while I was while I was in prison, you know, uh, I probably still would have been there. Man. I still would have been there. But brother, yeah. man, this was an amazing episode. Very, very, very different from our normal, but. Mm-hmm. I had a feeling it was going to be from when we talked. Uh, this is information that's got to get out there. Brother Arch, you got anything, man? I just have to salute you for the resilience that you showcase, continue to showcase, and the fact that going through the legal system and go, going through the criminal justice system, coming out and then being a force to try to help and make the system better is a testament to to man you and and, and how you operate and how you think. So man, a huge salute from me to you on that front. Also to all our listeners, this is an episode that you must pass to every single one of members in your family, friends who have kids and who have teens. 
Everybody needs to hear this episode. Everyone needs to understand the level of risk that the system could put you in by being not knowing what's happening or, or not or just being a kid. So the education that's required for you in this episode is probably the the, the largest education component that we've done at Wild Black for your kids. So man, I if 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 I could plead to you to ensure that you pass this message along. This brother has has done a lot to communicate his message in a way that will attract and will touch the nerve of your kids. And I think you you owe it to them to allow them to hear it. Wild Black, this is Vince. The only thing that I want to say is that this podcast in its entirety, every single episode, everything that we do is all about empowering you. It's about putting you in front of the information that you need to make the best decisions for yourself. And if any episode has done it, it has to be this one. And the reason I say that is because there's no better place to invest our time, in my personal belief, than our children. And if you are the parent who has been afraid or unwilling or just don't know how to have these conversations with them, hopefully hearing today's conversation will push you a little bit hard to take that risk. I sit with these young boys on a weekly or biweekly basis. I hear directly from their mouth to my ears the things that they are managing through. And some of our young brothers and sisters are in danger and have no no idea of the danger that they're facing. They're making decisions every single day that have significant impact on their life. And they're just lucky. But luck will always run out at some point. So like Art said, Please listen to this episode again. Please share it. You've got to put this information in front of the people around you who have children, specifically young black boys, because this is a direct impact on them today and their lives tomorrow. I'm going to let it go. Donalo, brother, you want to close us out? Anything you want to tell the people before we get out of here? I just thank you guys for having me on. You know, you know I always enjoy sharing my experience with, with whomever, you know, willing to listen. If anyone, you know, ever wants to contact me, you know, I'm, I'm always... Uh, please give me your contact info, however, you, however you're comfortable with giving it. Yeah, so, I mean, of course, um, there's my email. So, it's at um, Janarla Wilson at yahoo.com, and it's um, G-E-N-A-R-L-O-W-W-I-L-S-O-N at yahoo.com. I also have an Instagram. Um, it's just at Janarlo. It's just G-E-N-A-R-L-O-W. Um, if you want to reach me, um, just feel free to reach out. I have a Facebook, Gennaro R. Wilson. Um, however you want to reach out to me, if you, you know, you just need to ask a question about your kid, if you're going through a similar situation and just need some advice, or if you want me to come out and speak, church, school, boys and girls club, anything, you know, I'm always willing to come out and just um, and share my experience. You know, it's just, hey, it's, it's, it's the reason why God allowed for me to go through this, you know, just to share my experience and plant a seed. You know, it, it may not directly hit them then, but maybe somewhere down the line, they'll say, I remember I heard this. Right. Just reach out to me. There's eight million questions we didn't get oh, to. Oh, yeah. <laughs> cool. Wild Black Family, peace. Peace.